Am I on now? All right. Welcome to Calvary Christian Fellowship. Y'all doing good? Welcome to Wednesday Night Studies. Let's pray. Father, we bless you. We thank you for this evening. We open your word together. Father, I, I pray that we would not be the same after looking into the mirror of your word than we were before. May we not walk away the same, but may your word have its way in us. Pray for for, for the, the anointing of your spirit in this place. Anoint your word as it goes out. Anoint our hearts to hear, our ears, our, our minds. Help me, Father. Help me to rightly divide what you have given to us. May it be implanted in our souls, and may it bring forth fruit, fruit that is meat for others. In Jesus' name. Amen? Amen. All right. So, we are, I keep wanting to look back there. I'm going to begin. So, just, um, that screen's not working for me. So, if I keep looking up like this, it's to make sure that my slides here are matching up with there. So, if you see me, if I'm looking down and I'm reading something and it doesn't match what's on the screen, you know, just tell me, you know, and, and, uh, and we'll get there. So, we are literally in our final section. Yeah, chapters 10, 11, and 12 are one section. Now, we won't get through it all of it, all of it tonight. Um, you know, I, I thought about a marathon, but no, we'd have to really have a marathon. Um, but this whole last section of the book of Daniel is, is, is one piece together, and there's lots to go into. Um, we, um, if you get a chance and you're reading the book of Daniel, please go back and read those. Those three chapters should be read together as one, and we're, we're not going to be able to read all three tonight and as one. Normally, I'll, I'll, like, read the whole section, but it was so long. But we'd literally be here reading the whole section all, all evening, and then we wouldn't have any time to talk about it. So I'm going to take it section by section. But it really is meant to to uh, be read as, as one. All right. So, um, as always, I like to state, yes. Um, yes, we can. Do you want to have that discussion now? Yeah, yeah, absolutely. So, um and remind me, uh, well, I've got some ideas. Before we leave tonight, let's have a little bit of conversation about what we're going to study next, where we want to go. Um, I, I've got some ideas, but we'll float those out there afterwards. And if you are listening in at home and you have some ideas, go ahead and send them in if you'd like uh, your vote to count, and um, and we'll go from there. All right. So, like I said, I always like to give credit to whom credit's due. We are um, duet. Uh, if you, uh, yeah, yeah, exactly. If you really want to have input, come on in and visit us. You get a better chance to, for us to hear your voice. <laughs> That's good. Um, all right, so uh, Wendy Witter is uh, Dr. Wendy Witter. We're using her work from Lagos Mobile Ed, um, and hopefully, I ask my, my wife, she'll be here in a little while. There, there are some sections. She's got a brand-new commentary on Daniel. I just pur- purchased it, just got a hold of it. Um, it's fantastic, and um, we may read some sections out of it tonight. Um, so I highly recommend that if you're if you're looking for a really really solid commentary on the book. Um, it, and, uh, it, it literally almost reads like a book. I mean, it's it's academic, but it's really it's really e- easy to read. Okay, so we're using her work um, as our main course of study. Um, so uh, just super briefly. Uh, who can give me one of the three main theologies 
out of the book of Daniel. We're going to hit these kind of hard these next couple of weeks. One of the main th- three main theological uh, um, points from the book. Yeah, God is sovereign. The sovereignty of God. That's that's the first one. So uh, three so three points. God takes care of His people. That's right. It's continuing care for His people. That's three points. And what was it? Narrative, theology through story, theology through story. We get these stories, and the, the theology comes out of the story rather than sitting there being a theology book giving you point by point. The story gives us the theology. That's right. So this is where we're going with this. The three points for for Marco. Um, and I, I've been I like using Dr. John Lennox' division of the book. So this kind of really shows us where we are in our study. You have the part A and part B, right? You can divide the book up. There's a couple of different ways we, we will divide up and look at the book. Um, but you get these, this mirroring going on. Daniel coming into the Babylonian court in chapter 1. Daniel coming into the Medo-Persian court in chapter 6. The two images, the dream image of Nebuchadnezzar in chapter 2, the golden image in chapter 3. And uh, then, you get, then you get the two visions of beasts, the four beasts of chapter 7, the, the two beasts of chapter 8. Here she is. Thank you. I appreciate it very much. Um, and then you get two kings disciplined, where chapters 4 and 5, Nebuchadnezzar and Belshazzar. Um, and, and, and now we're in the final section where there are two writings explained. Thank you. This is the commentary I was talking about. If anyone is looking for a really, and you can peruse it later if you want, looking for a, a, an awesome commentary on the book of Daniel, I recommend this one. Um, we may... Uh, I'm going to give you all, there's going to be dealers, to, I mean, uh, uh, audience choice tonight, see? So if you were actually here, you'd get to get to have audience choice with the others. Um, there's something we can look at if you all want to look at it. Otherwise, I'll just pass it on and keep going. So it'll be your choice. We'll see when we get there. Um, and we're, we're examining two writings. So um, uh, the first writing we looked in chapter 9, we looked at, at uh, Jeremiah and, and uh, Jeremiah's prophecies. And now we get to chapters 10 through 12, and um, we're going to have the writing of truth that's being examined. And so um, we'll see what that's all about as we get to it. All right. So um, the introduction to this section, chapters 10 through 12, this is literally the longest literary section in the book. It's It's a pretty lengthy piece compared to the rest of the book. Now, there... That should be um, one of the two major hints of how significant this section is. The fact that it's so long, the fact that Daniel spends so much time writing this, there's there's so much real estate given to this narrative, tells us that this is extremely important. Um, uh, and, And how much the second thing that makes it extremely important is how much Daniel actually goes through to receive this part. And we'll see that when we get into it. You know, he's, uh, uh, he, it's, 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 a, it's a, a difficult thing for, for him and what he receives and what he's going through. And they spend the entire chapter 10 talks about what he goes through just to receive the word. We don't even get to the word till 11 and, and 12. Most of it's in 11. But the whole 10 is talks about what he's going through. So that also tells us what, how significant this is. Um, so chapter 10 deals with Daniel getting ready to receive the divine revelation. We're going to jump into 10 first. We'll cover 10. We may cover a little bit of 11 as well. Um, and so we start with a date formula. It's the last date formula in the entire text. 
and it's dated, it, it, he tells us in there that this is the third year of Cyrus. Now, Cyrus is the king of what empire? That's right, the Medo-Persian Empire. That's worth 15 points right there. So uh, give yourself 15. No, no, it's worth 19. That's, that's, I haven't done 19 in a while. So 19 points. Um, and this was about 536 B.C. Um, so it's about 536 years before the, the, the first century um, A.D. And it's, it's the latest and the last date in the book. This, this takes us to like it's, it's the last date that we have in the book, but it's also the latest date. Um, which means this is the last thing Daniel actually writes, right? So it's not only in the pl- last place of the book, it's also the last thing he writes. You know, you know that these things aren't necessarily chronological. We've already seen that some of the other dates, they take them out of order. In this case, this is in an order. Um, so that should give us a little bit of clue of what might be in it. There might be some last things in here. There might be some things that go beyond the book itself. So uh, we'll get there. All right, so just kind of an outline of the whole section. Uh, Like I said, we take the the whole section together. Um, You have the prologue, which is all that's going to happen to Daniel getting ready for the message. So that's verses 1 through 19. And then you have the vision report itself. So it's going to start in 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 verse 20 of chapter 10. It's going to go all the way to the fourth verse of chapter 12. So there's a lot going on in this vision that we're going to get from this divine being. And then you have the epilogue that kind of closes out the book of Daniel, closes out the vision, kind of seals everything up. And that's the last, uh, last few verses from, chapter, from verse 5 to verse 13. All right. So what we're going to do, we're going to go ahead and you can open your Bibles or you can read along on the screen. I'm going to start off in Daniel chapter 10, verse 1, and we'll read through chapter 10 together. Um, and, uh, and then we'll, 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 we'll do some... Um, uh, a little bit of interpretation. We'll do a little bit of study. We'll figure out what's going on. All right, this is how this goes. This is in Daniel chapter 10. I'm reading from the ESV, and I hope you all read from different translations as well. You get lots, lots coming into it. So this is Daniel chapter 10, verse 1. It says this. This is, In the third year of Cyrus, king of Persia, a word was revealed to Daniel, whose name was Belteshazzar. And the word was true, and it was a great conflict. So we start off right here. Remember I said what Daniel's going through is, is this conflict that Daniel's going to be going through to receive this word. And, um, and this, is the, this, is, this is the word we're, we're examining. We examine Jeremiah. We're going to be examining this word that's given to him. And he understood the word and had understanding of the vision. And so now we're, that's kind of introducing it. Now we're going to get into Daniel talking about it. In those days, I, Daniel, was mourning for three weeks. I ate no delicacies, no meat or wine entered my mouth, nor did I anoint myself at all for for the full three weeks. So he's fasting for three weeks. On the 24th day of the first month, I was standing on the bank of the great river, that is the Tigris. So this is the first month of the year. This would be Aviv. I lifted up my eyes and looked, and behold, a man clothed in linen with a belt of fine gold from Uphaz around his waist. His body was like burl, his face like the appearance of lightning. Burl is kind of a, like a bright amber color, gold, goldish yellow gem. Think of like a gold yellow amber gem. 
His face was like appearance of lightning, brilliant. His eyes like flaming torches. His arms and legs like the gleam of burnished bronze. And the sound of his words like the sound of a multitude. And I, Daniel, alone saw this vision. For the men who were with me did not see the vision. But a great trembling fell upon them, and they fled to hide themselves. So Daniel's the only one seeing it, but the others around it know something's going on, and it's so terrifying, they hide. They're so afraid and so terrified. This is similar to Paul's vision. Remember when Paul had the vision of the Lord Jesus? It's very similar to this. And I'm going to say this now. I'm going to telescope a little bit right now. This description that we have here of this being, it parallels John, the apostle's description, when he sees Jesus in the beginning of the book of Revelation. So this, this is very parallel. We're not saying, uh, it's my belief it likely is, but the, the book doesn't tell us who this divine being is. It it's likely is the pre-incarnate Christ. Um, but it's a, it's a divine messenger that we know. But it's fascinating to me how close this parallels. If you open the book of Revelation and you look at how John describes and you can read them next to one another, and there's so much that corresponds. So regardless if it's the same being or not, this is John has read this, understood this, and he's, and he's trying to describe what he sees when he's seeing the Lord Jesus, and this language comes through to us. So this is a frightening, frightening uh, vision that he's having. All right, so where am I? Um, then I heard the sound of his words, and as I heard the sound of his words, I fell in on my face in a deep sleep with my face to the ground. So these words coming from this divine being are, 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 are penetrating his soul. He literally falls to the ground, falls on his face. Um, uh, they fled to hide themselves. I read that one. There we go. Um, uh, he fell on his face, and, he, and, and, and all strength has left him. And it says, And behold, a hand touched me and set me trembling on my hands and knees. So they touched him, and he's like... You know, trembling up on his hands and knees. I just want you to picture this for a second. It's easy to read this and pass over this. What, what kind of vision would you have to see for you to fall on your face and then barely trembling just to get up on your hands and knees? See, there's a word in Hebrew. You ever heard the word, anybody heard the word glory, the glory of God? And we say it all the time. You're like, glory to the Lord. May God, may God be glorified. Glory to the Lord, right? The word glory is kavod. Kavod in Hebrew means weight. So when you see an appearance that comes from God in its glory, it's heavy. This is weighing on him. This is true glory that's happening here from heaven. All right, so verse 11. And he said to me, O Daniel, man, greatly loved, understand the words that I speak to you, and stand upright, for now I have been sent to you. And when he had spoken this word to me, I stood up trembling. Now, it's fascinating to me because this, this, is, this is one of those scenes in the scriptures that gives us the, the, the paradox of God. This is the paradox of God. Why? Because what does he say? Daniel, I love you. You're greatly favored. You have great love from God. And yet, Daniel's vision of God sets him to trembling. There is great fear. 
So you have both the greatness and the majesty of who God is, as well as the, 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 the amazing love that exudes from him. And any time we represent God, we need to be representing both. This is why it says the fear of the Lord is the beginning of wisdom. So I stood up trembling. He says, then he said to me, fear not, Daniel, for from the first day, I mean, he tells him fear not. He's like trembling. Knees are knocking. Don't be afraid, Daniel. For from the first day that you set your heart to understand and humble yourself before your God, your words have been heard, and I have come because of your words. Now notice, he's been praying and fasting for 21 days, and this being says, God heard you on day one. So does he say that Daniel should have stopped? No, he shouldn't have stopped. He should have continued. Why? Because he continued, even though he was heard on day one, he is now having this experience. You see, a lot of people say, well, you know, I prayed about it and God didn't do anything. Are you persevering in prayer? Are you persevering in prayer? It's called praying through something. Verse 13, the prince of the kingdom of Persia withstood me 21 days, but Michael, one of the chief princes, came to help me, for I was left there with the kings of Persia. So there's a spiritual war that was going on. There is this principality that is over Persia, and uh, this divine being couldn't come to, to Daniel. For 21 days, there's a battle going on in the spirit. Finally, Michael who's one of the chief princes, an archangel we know, he comes to assist this divine being and some kind of spiritual battles going on that um, uh, enabled him to, to break through for the moment. But listen to what it says. And, and came, um, let me back up and say this. Um, for I was left there with the kings of Persia and came to make you understand what is to happen to your people in the latter days, for the vision is for days yet to come. So, um, uh, verse 15, when he spoke to me, according to these words, I turned my face toward the ground and was mute. So once again, he just, he's just collapsed. He can't handle the weight of the glory. He just collapses and he falls and behold, one in the likeness of the children of men touched my lips. Now that is really fascinating that this is called one in the likeness of children of men. Um, so there's a, there's a, remember I told you, every time you see an angel in the scriptures, he looks like a what? A man. Every time an angel appears in the scriptures, he looks like a man. Doesn't have wings. There's one like, it looks like a man. So this angelic being comes over, touches his lips. This should remind you of Isaiah 6. How many remember when Isaiah um, uh, was caught up into the heavenlies? And he fell before God. Oh, God, I'm an unclean man, and I come from a people of unclean lips. And what did they do? Well, one of the divine beings went over and took a coal and touched his lips. And um, so one of, the, one of these, one of these angels uh, touches his lips. Then I opened my mouth and I spoke, and I said to him who stood before me, Oh, my Lord, by reason of the vision, by reason of the vision pains have come upon me, and I retain no strength. Remember, we said this opens up. Daniel is, is it, to, to see this glorified picture of God is actually painful for him. Why? Because we live in a world that is tainted by sin and death, and sin and death cannot exist in the presence of God. This is why we get a glorified body. 
this body cannot exist in the presence of God. And so he is experiencing the, 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 the glory of God, whether this is actual, um, you know, you know, pre-incarnate Jesus or a divine messenger, either one, he is radiating God's glory as he's, as he's talking to Daniel. How can my ser- Lord's servant talk with you? For now no strength remains in me and no breath is in me. And again, one having the appearance of a man touched me and strengthened me. And so, uh, so he has been strengthened by the angels. This reminds me so many places. There's another scene I was uh, in 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 the scriptures in the Gospel of Luke. Jesus is in the garden and he's pouring out his soul, and he is overburdened. He is, uh, and it literally, it's, he's he's so straining. Father, if there's any other way, he's sweating and it's nearly it's coming out. His blood is coming out of his pores, and um, and what does it say? angels came and ministered to him in the garden it tells us in in the book of luke this is similar daniel's having this vision this weighty vision from god and it's weighing on him so much that literally angels are touching him to strengthen him so that he could stand and hear and listen so there's a lot of spiritual things going on in this story here aren't there there's angels that are ministering to daniel there's given this vision there's spiritual warfare happening All right, so verse 19. And he said to me, O man, greatly love, fear not, peace be with you. Be strong and of good courage. And as he spoke to me, I was strengthened and said, Let my Lord speak, for you have strengthened me. Fascinating. How was Daniel strengthened? As he spoke, as the word of the Lord went forward, he was strengthened. As he was receiving God's word, he was strengthened. He was encouraged. The word of God, when we receive it in our souls, it encourages us. It strengthens us. It lifts us up. It enables us. I cannot tell you how many times I've been in a moment when I'm going through hard things, going through difficulty, trying to figure something out, and then then, then a, a word from the scriptures or a, a word from the Holy Spirit will, will quicken my soul. And what am I? I'm lifted up. I'm strengthened. I'm enabled in that moment. That's what's happening here. He's speaking to Daniel, and he's strengthened. So finally we get to verse 20. Um, and he said, do you know why I have come to you? Do you know why I've come to you? But now, now I will return to fight against the prince of Persia. And when I go out, behold, the prince of Greece will come. So more about this spiritual war. But I will tell you what is inscribed in the book of truth. So we're going to be examining the, this book of truth. There is none who contends by my side against these except Michael, your prince. And that's how we end chapter 10. So we'll be, we'll be starting here looking at chapter 10 for a few minutes. All right. So a few comments. First thing that we, we, we mentioned already, how long was Daniel fasting? 21 days. 21 days he's fasting. Now it's fascinating that this fast overlaps with the feasts of Passover and unleavened bread. You see, he tells us right up front, this is in the first month of the year. The first month of the year is Aviv. And, um, and Passover happens on the 14th day of the month. So he literally fasted through Passover, through unleavened bread. Because it, this is on the 24th, which is at the end. This would be, this would be when Passover is over. Um, right, on that last, right towards that last day, um, 24th day of the first month is is uh 
um, when, when this vision occurs. All right. So Daniel encounters a divine man. Um, and once again, you know, we don't, we don't know who this divine man is. It just gives us a description. It doesn't give us a name. And uh, I, like I said, it's perilous. It, fascinating to me how much it parallels. No, two things. Number one, the vision parallels the Lord Jesus in the book of Revelation. Daniel's experience parallels Isaiah's experience and John's experience when they come into the presence of God. That losing all strength, losing everything. So these for, for those reasons, I, I tend to think that this is possibly uh, a, a theophany and an experience with God. So um, Daniel falls on his face to the ground. He hears a voice. His hand touches him to encourage him. The angel assures him he's sent to Daniel as an immediate response to Daniel's prayer, but he's delayed. Why is he delayed? Because there is the prince of Persia, this principality, this spiritual being uh, that delays him. But Michael assists him, the, the messenger, in battle to free up, to free the messenger up to get to Daniel. Um, however, the messenger, if you, if you notice, we get to the end, the messenger's in a hurry. The messenger wants to hurry up and get this message out. Why? Because he needs to get back there and help Michael in the spiritual battle. Now, that's fascinating to me because we don't get stories like this other places in the Bible. This is one of these rare moments. This is unusual and, re- and remarkable. There's something being revealed to us about in the heavenly realms that we don't typically get. The, the text doesn't tell us exactly what the nature of that battle is. It doesn't tell us what it is. It just tells us that there is a battle that's going on. So we have this, this spiritual warfare, and we're, we've been given this, this rare and this brief glimpse into the unseen realm here. Um, and, and so what's fascinating is what we see is what's going on the, in the heavenlies is mirrored or reflected as to what's going on in earth. This is the parallel that we take away from it. Why? Because we have a prince of Persia or a principality, if you want another way of thinking about it, a throne, a, a, a high exalted spiritual intelligent evil reigning over Persia. And what empire are they in? Persia. And he says, look, this battle's going to go on, but the battle's going to shift. And then there's going to be another principality that's going to come over this area. And that's going to be the prince of Greece. And what do we know is going to happen on earth? There will be a kingly authority, Alexander the Great. We're going to see him come up in the text, and he's going to conquer. So the the text is telling us, now it doesn't tell us, does earthly things shift what goes on in the heavens, or do heavenly things shift what goes on the earth? It doesn't tell us how that works. It doesn't tell, but it gives us correspondence. We know there's correlation. It doesn't give us causation. It gives us correlation. And so which reflects which? We don't know. Um, I think there's probably a little bit of both going on. I think there's influences going in a couple of different directions. This is rare. This is one of those moments when the curtain has literally been drawn back from us. And, and we get this, we, we see the grand cosmic glimpse of how things function in God's world. And, and so um, there's a few things we need to take away from this. What happens here on earth has cosmic ramifications the goings on in earth have cosmic have unseen ramifications to them what does that mean that means that our lives are far bigger than our lives 
We're part of a story that is much bigger. I've said this before. Many of you heard me say this. Though the Bible is finished in in being written, the story of the Bible is not over. And therefore, you and I are actors and characters in the story of the Bible as much as Matthew, as much as Daniel, as much as Peter, as much as Joseph, as much as Abraham, as much as Moses. Why? Because those men in their day, in their generation, lived out the cosmic story God had intended for them just as he intends for us to live out the story he's given for us. This is why Paul, in referencing Daniel, I mean uh, um, David, said David accomplished the purpose of God in his generation and then he slept. David wrote in the Psalms that God has laid out a book for every one of our lives. While we were yet in the womb. This world, what, how we live, what we do in this world is far greater than us. God, and so the one takeaway from all of this, God is still and always sovereign over the story. This is one of the main points of the whole book of Daniel. Now, the fact that we don't have a lot of stories like this in the Bible, and the fact that there's not a lot of details about what's going on in this warfare means we shouldn't make any, too many conclusions from what we're reading here, okay? You don't take one passage, an obscure passage, and build whole entire doctrines off of them. Um, what we clearly see is that there is a fight that's going on that's not a flesh and blood fight. What we clearly see is that spiritual evil is real. It was really resisting the prayers of Daniel. That was real. Um, however... We're not supposed to sit here and pull out maps and charts and try to go, well, this, you know, power of principality was here and that was here. That's not for us. The fact that we, we have, God has given us what we need to know in order for us to operate in the realm he's given us to operate, to cooperate with him to bring about his plans here. So we know there's a curtain. We know there's something going on about it. We don't know a lot about it. We get some glimpses. Um, But what are we told for sure? What are the things we know for a fact? We do not wrestle against flesh and blood, but against the rulers, against the authorities, against cosmic powers over this present darkness, against the spiritual forces of evil in heavenly places. I mean, Paul's given it to us pretty plain and clear. This is what we are this is the, the real wrestling that we have. Um, now, how does that play out for us? Let me suggest, because I, I'm not going to get into this in detail tonight because we, we, would, we would not get into the book if I did. But let me tell you how it plays out. It plays out like this. As we live and walk in obedience to the Lord Jesus, we, and, and we, are, we are carrying out his plans on earth, We are going to those who are what? Blinded and deluded by the spiritual forces of this world. And in the same way Daniel was strengthened as the word came into him, the means of God's grace is the the word of God itself. As God's word goes forth, it it distributes. It It is the conduit of God's grace. And as God's grace is uh, um, penetrates into souls souls that hear it with ears that want to receive it are set free from the blindness set free from uh from their sins 
for forgiveness. And that is spiritual warfare because they are set free from the realm of the prince of this earth. They're set free from darkness. Their hearts are opened up. Their eyes are opened up. Their hearts are enlightened. And as believers and as Christians, when we understand that, we can literally re-embrace the world and be blind to these very facts in which we are meant to participate. So, what do we notice? The spiritual world is real. The world of spiritual evil is real. Now, one thing, one thing to take when we're, when we're trying to build doctrines out of Scripture, I love this. Uh, one scholar told me this one time, and, and I've kind of taken it ever since then. He says, when the Scriptures whisper, whisper. When the Scriptures talk, talk. When the Scriptures shout, shout. So we, we, we take from it what? This is real. We're a real part of this. We have a part to play. Um, our task is not to know that world in detail, but to live in obedience in this world in detail. That's our part. And when we do that, we are affecting and effectuating things that are happening in that world. That's what we need to know. Alexander the Great really conquered, and there was a real principality of Greece that overtook. You see that, the parallel? All right. So let's, let's uh, jump down into chapter 11 now. Ready to jump into chapter 11? We'll do a little bit there. We'll see how far we get. Um, this, uh, um, I didn't bring a water in. Never mind. Daniel 11, verse 1. As for me, in the first year of Darius the Mede, I stood up to confirm and strengthen him. And now I will show you the truth. And now, am I on that page? And now I will show you the truth. Behold, three more kings shall arise in Persia, then and a fourth shall be far richer than all of them. And when he has become strong against uh, strong through his riches, he shall stir up all against the kingdom of Greece. Now, um, this is this is figurative. This is a this is um, apocalyptic language. Um, uh, I think somebody just went to grab something. I think my wife just went to get something. So, yeah. Thank you. Um, so, uh, we get we get a we get a mention of Persia. Now we're going to get a mention of Greece. We're going to talk about Greece a little bit. But the mention of Persia, when it says four more kings, it's 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 using the four as a as a number of completion. There were lots of kings that were in there, but it's merely saying that that we had the reign of the Persian Empire, and and what's going to happen is um, the the um, that the Persian emperors will make the emperor of Greece jealous, and then we will see the reign of the the, the Greek Empire. Verse three. Then a mighty king shall arise. Who shall rule with great dominion and do as he wills. And as soon as he has arisen, his kingdom shall be broken and divided toward the four winds of heaven, but not to his posterity, nor according to the authority with which he ruled. For his kingdom shall be plucked up and go to others besides these. Does this sound familiar when we were looking at the beasts and we were looking at the ram and the goat? Well, we'll, we'll, after I read it, we'll break that down a little more. Now, what we're going to do is we get into this chapter. There is going to be this incredible level of detail of of um, this uh, prophetic word here. It's an incredible level um, uh, of of um, goings on between this king of the south and king of the north, who are two of these four kings. So then the king of the south shall be strong, 
But one of his princes shall be stronger than he and shall rule, and his authority shall be a great authority. And after some years they shall make an alliance, and the daughter of the king of the south shall come to the king of the north and make an agreement. But she shall not retain the strength of her arm, and he and his arm shall not endure. But she shall be given up, and her attendants, he who fathered her, and he who supported her in those times. And from a branch, from her roots, one shall arise in his place, and he shall come against the army, and enter the fortress of the king of the north, and he shall deal with them, and shall prevail." So, and I'm going to explain in a minute. I, actually, I'll, I'll break in now and do a little explanation on it. So, what's going on here? So, we had a word on the king of Persia. 